You are now listening to the Faith Community Bible Church Podcast. It's our prayer that this message is not only a blessing to you, but to your entire family. Join us as we aim to make Christ known in our community by caring for the community. God bless. So good to to be here and worship with you guys today. Um, Not only with those who are here in the building, but I'm celebrating God for those who are streaming online today and those also who are listening to our podcast today as we um, are worshiping God together today. Y'all help me celebrate God for, um, for Pastor Shelton and Pastor Baker who held it down these last two weeks, right? Elder Shelton talked about an extreme makeover and Pastor Baker last week talking about how all of us desperately need the Holy Spirit in our life. And we'll continue really today in Romans Right, looking at verse verses 18 through 30 in our in our Romans series. So grab your Bibles and go to go to chapter 8 with me. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is where we'll be. And we will look intently today at verses 18 through 30. Verses 18 through 30. Verses 18 through 30. As you guys are turning to that, y'all just want to just, y'all, um, let's say a mighty amen for Pastor Darren and Sister Simone this morning. Let's say amen for them. Right, as, as we are, as we are turning um, to our passage, I just want to just wanna let y'all know, be praying for them this coming Tuesday. They will have a vision dinner as they plant um, Faith Community Bible Church North City, right? So those who got some time and want to come and hear our brother's heart for what he, how God is getting ready to use he and his wife and their team in North City this coming Tuesday, 6.30 p.m. at our North City location. Um, Pastor Darren will be leading that. I'm, I'm just going for the food, right? No, but, 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 but we're, we're praying for him and Simone as they truck forward. Be praying for them um, this week as they carry um, out that work. Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 18. Here it is. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly, as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we Do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. 
And he who searches hearts knows what is the will, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Here it is. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. That is Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 30. You may grab your seats today. As we look at these few verses, this passage, we've already prayed for the Lord's help in this, but I want to, if I can, if I had to tag Romans 8, verses 18 through 30, I would tag this if I can. Um, don't let it steal your joy. Don't let it steal your joy. Um, by, by the showing of hands, by the showing of hands, I just want to uh, do a survey, if I can, today. By the show of hands, how many of you would admit that you, at some point or another, or maybe right now, you've experienced some sort of suffering by show of hands? Suffering, all of us have experienced suffering. At some point in our life, no matter how young, no matter how old, no matter how cool, no matter how lame like me, you've experienced some suffering. All of us here today, different personalities, we come from different backgrounds, all have different things going on in our lives. Even in all of the differences, rest assured that all of us at some point or another in this life will experience some sort of suffering. Truth is, all believers, all Christians, all followers of Jesus will experience suffering. There's no doubt that after we respond to the gospel call that, that the, the Holy Spirit, if will, is always working in our lives, even in the midst of suffering. And we've learned really the last two weeks as we really unpacked verses 1 through 17 in Romans, we've learned that the Spirit of God is in operation in the life of the blood-bought, right, extreme makeover per Pastor Shelton, right? All of us must rely on the Holy Spirit per Pastor Baker, right? We learned that the Holy Spirit is at work, meaning that the Spirit of God frees us from sin and death. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live godly. The Spirit of God at work in the life of the blood-bought, yeah, renews our mind. The Spirit of God gives us life. The Spirit of God empowers us to kill our flesh. The Spirit of God is, is our navigator. I mean, the Spirit of God leads us. The Spirit of God adopts us, right? But even through this child of God, I, I want you to know the Spirit of God is even active in your suffering. We will still, although Spirit of God doing all this work in our life, we're going to experience some suffering. Proof of the believer's ultimate glory is that you actually suffer. I know, right, that we've bought into this idea 
um, from different people who tell us you've been in this place long enough and your mountainside has been rough. The struggle is over for you. That's false teaching, and I'm going to help you understand that as we look at this text. But I want you to know, right, that even after your shout, you're going to experience some pain. Even after your favorite song is heard, you're going to experience some pain. I don't care how many zeros in your bank account, either it's be- either if the zeros are before the decimal or after the comma, you're going to experience some suffering. And I know that we've thought in our mind that I won't suffer, God, if you give me a better job, my suffering will go. If you give me a better car, my suffering going to go away. If you give me a new husband, a new wife, my suffering will go away. If you give me new friends, my suffering will go away. I want to tell you that even if God does all that, you still going to experience some suffering. Hear this. Either you have, you are, or you will experience suffering. And I want to really, if I can, create a biblical framework for you of suffering and how the Spirit of God is at work even in it. I love how Mark 10, right, Jesus said, truly I say to you. There is no one who has left house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands without persecution. That there's no way that you can respond to the loving care, comfort of a loving father and not experience persecution, not only in this age, but you got something to look for in eternity. The reality of suffering is a real reminder that we have not reached the new heavens and new earth, the the, the new Jerusalem of no tears and no pain and no mourning and no death has yet to arrive. Therefore, here you will experience some suffering. Just because we experience suffering, y'all, as we await the redemption of our bodies, it doesn't mean that suffering is random or without purpose. And neither does it mean that Scripture doesn't tell us how to think about suffering even now. I want to tell you this. I want to free you. Tracy, listen. Our suffering today does not compare to the splendor of tomorrow. The suffering that we experience today does not compare to the splendor of tomorrow. Y'all, y'all know I live my life in stereo, right? I think of a song, Mishan, you know this. I sent it to you. It won't always be like this. God is perfecting that concerning me. Sooner or later, it's going to work in your favor. How? Because he's turning it around for me. It don't mean that he's turning it around to give you things that's going to make you comfortable, but turning it around says that he's going to come back for those who belong to him so the pain that you experience today does not compare to the splendor that you will experience tomorrow. Now, let's be honest. Let's be honest, though. Life hurts. Life hurts hurts, right? We say life be lifing, but God be gotten, right? We say the struggle is real, but so is God, right? Out of nowhere, you got death and illness and unemployment and all these difficult relationships or even just the regular ebbs and flows of life. They challenge everything that you think you know. But But the shout here is that In the midst of all of this pain, in the midst of all of this suffering, in the midst of all of this confusion, 
we are not alone. We are not alone. It's important for us to know that the things that happen in our lives don't just, these things aren't just happening by coincidence, right? God is sovereign. God is in control of all things. It is God who allows our trials and tribulation, our, as, as 1 Peter 4, thinking not strange concerning the fiery trial which has come to test you as though some strange thing will happen. These fiery trials are for your testing, they're for your purging, they're for your cleansing. That being the fact, the issue is not that you're suffering. That that's not the issue. Well, pastor, help me, because if the issue isn't, isn't that I'm suffering, then what's the issue? The issue is your response to it. The issue is not that we're suffering. The issue is the response to it. See, when things happen, see, when things happen, Sister Juanita, here it is. When things happen, let me, let me just say me. When things happen to me, I take it personal. I be all in my feelings. I take it personal. When things try our faith, y'all, for, for some reason, we respond to life like it's all about us. But listen, anything that we go through in this life, it's not about us. I know, right, y'all, y'all Bible people. So let me give you scripture. Come here, um, Ephesians 6, 12. For the battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the world's powers of this darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. Here the spiritual wickedness has come with every intention to destroy us, to destroy our lives and everything around us. But here's the thing. Do you think that you are so good that the enemy actually wants to destroy you? It's not us that he's trying to destroy. What am I saying? The enemy really doesn't need to destroy us. That's not what he wants to do. He wants to distract us. Because if I can, it, it, let, me, let me give you Bible. <laughs> let me give you Bible. Watch this. When Peter stepped out on water, he didn't drown, start to sink until he got distracted. So you're wondering why, right, you suffering, walking on water in this life, and you find yourself sinking, it's because you're taking your eyes off Jesus. The enemy don't need to destroy you because there's nothing so good about you worth destroying, right? But what he wants to do is he wants to distract you to take your eyes off the one who can destroy him. Hear this. Whenever we become prideful, whenever we become prideful and take this stance that it's all about us, we allow ourselves to become distracted by the wickedness, which in turn leads to our, how we view Jesus to be destroyed. Everything in our life, y'all, is all about Jesus, the good and the bad. The bad is all about him because it could have taken us out, but it didn't. <laughs> the good is all about him because nothing good can even happen to us without him. The only good within us is him. Everything that we do is about Jesus and him being glorified. Y'all remember what Paul said? Come here. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do so to give glory to God. The issue is not our suffering. The issue is our response. What if God had you suffering long enough for him to see if you're going to get the if he going to get the glory out of how you suffer? The issue is our response. Think about what Paul said to the church at Colossae. Whatever you do, work heartily to the Lord, for not for men, knowing that from the Lord you receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not the suffering that's the issue. It's our response. Church, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. He don't need to destroy you because there's nothing good on the inside of you except for him. So if, if the enemy can work to destroy your view of Jesus, he distracts you from purpose, which causes you to then drown in the things of this world. 
The issue isn't that we suffer. Because life is going to life. Problem is our response to it. Here's some questions I want you to process. Does your response to your suffering bring glory to God? Or does your response to your suffering bring glory to you? Does, does how you respond to your suffering draw people to the Lord? Or does it cause people to run from him? Our response to what's presented to us should be one, y'all, that turns our pressure into God-glorifying worship. Our response to our suffering should be one that really transforms our selfish attitude to one that displays the attributes of God. Our response to suffering should be one that brings glory to our creator. Why? Because he created it. You know that to say that the su- to, to give to give the enemy credit for our suffering is to say that God isn't sovereign. Think about it. I'm, it, it, I'm sick. It ain't the enemy. I mean, that, that ain't nothing but the enemy. No. No. That, 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 let me tell you this. It ain't the enemy that stole your car. It was two broken people. Like, it's interesting. We belong to the Lord, but we always giving credit to the enemy. The enemy ain't going to attack you because he wants somebody you. He want to distract you from keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. Right? Hear this. In all things, we got to respond properly to the creator. Why? Because anything that's happening to us, he created it. Lots of times, y'all, we read that passage in Isaiah 54, 17. Y'all know what it says, no weapon. No weapon formed against me shall prosper, right? We, we cry, listen to friend, no weapon. Y'all know how you sing. <laughs> we, get, we, we, we shout on that verse, right? But I'm going to tell you, you can appreciate that verse a little more if you read the verses before it. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Why? Because God created it. Right before that, verse 15 and 16, right before Lanisha, he says no weapon formed against us will prosper. He said, hey, I created it. I created the spit. I created the coals, right? All these things that is adding pressure to your life. I created it. Therefore, because I created it, I know it's not going to crush you. I know it won't prosper because I tell it what to do. He's creator. No weapon formed against us shall prosper, right? He, he, he created destroyers. God created it. Listen, the weapon that God made, he made to bring destruction, but not to you. He, he, he created it to bring destruction, but not to you, but to those things in your life that don't look like him. He wants to bring destruction to some stuff, but he wants to bring destruction to those things that are keeping you separated from him. He created weapons to destroy those things that are separating you from him. God is producing useful weapons to bring peace to your life, useful weapons to restore your joy, useful weapons to destroy your peace, useful weapons to get you to understand that you can't make it on your own. Useful weapons to help you know that he is all-powerful. Useful 
useful weapons for you to know that he is all-seeing. Useful weapons to, for you to know that he is all-knowing. There's not anything happening to you that God didn't ordain. So what am I saying? Our suffering today does not compare to the splendor that you will experience on tomorrow. So what am I saying? Don't let it steal your joy. Don't let what you're going through steal your joy. He created these weapons uh, for his glory and your good. Do you know, believer, that anytime God is glorified, it works out for your good? Because the more you live your life giving glory to God, how does it work for your good? Because he's listening to every move you make because it's his attention you got. All things, even you were created to bring glory to God. Even our response to our trial should bring glory to God. All of us at some point or another have asked ourselves, how is this possible? If I'm supposed to bring glory to God in times, right, when everything around me seems to be in turmoil, how can I bring glory to God when I'm facing trials, when life seems like a whirlwind? How can I bring glory to God when things around me have me drowning in agony? How can I bring glory to God when life seems to have, right, this uh, has me full of affliction? How can I bring glory to God when I don't quite understand what's happening in my life? How can I bring glory to God when everything around me looks unfamiliar? I would, I would argue. That right here in this text, Paul helps us to clear our thoughts and address our true feelings about suffering. By dealing with this problem, really, of suffering and pain, right, y'all? Joy and pain. No, suffering and pain, right? Right? He, he addresses this right here in this text. He's continuing to show us here that the Spirit of God is in every area of our lives as a believer, even in our suffering. He's already shown us in verses 1 through 17 that the Spirit of God is doing a makeover. He's already shown us that, that we all must be absolutely led by the Holy Spirit, and it's essential for every believer, right? But, but here, y'all, he begins by applying biblical truth to pain. Think about it. When you got a migraine, what do you use? Whatever you use, that's what Paul is giving you here for your suffering. If it's Tylenol, if it's Aleve, if it's coffee, <laughs> he, he's applying that to your suffering here. See, our suffering today, he's getting at it. Our suffering today doesn't compare to the splendor of tomorrow. How do we know this? Watch what he says, verse 18 and 19, for I consider. This word consider, for I think. What he's saying, Keisha, is I reckon. He says, for I reckon, I consider, I think that the sufferings, the, the pain, the misfortune, the feelings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory, the splendor, the honor, the majestic being that will be revealed to us. For the creation, he says, eagerly awaits with anticipation for God's son to be revealed, right? What he's saying here is that, listen, y'all. I know it hurts. I know that it's frustrating. I know, right, that although I've already told you in 17 verses how the Spirit of God is at work, that don't quite make sense to you when, you, when life is life. But because of the work that the Spirit of God is doing in your life, from then until now, this current pain isn't worth standing up against what God is making you to be tomorrow. Right? 
Yeah, we, we're eagerly waiting with, with expectation for God's will to be revealed. But, but let's just be honest. It hurts while we wait. It hurts while we wait. It's painful while we wait. It's frustrating while we wait. If you're anything like me, you want to go to a secluded place and just, ah, it hurts. Life hurts. But hear this. God is using Paul here to encourage us in the midst of our sighing, in the midst of our groaning, in the midst of our pain. God is you. Here it is. God is using your right now to prepare you for your not yet. He's using uh, your right now to prepare you for your not yet. Meaning, what if everything that God is taking you through right now at this moment is to prepare you for what he wants to do with you next week? But because you can't experience pain, because you don't like the toughness, now all of a sudden, next week can't happen. Uh, can't happen. Let me tell you this. Next week going to happen, but it can't happen the way God wanted to in you because you're too busy running. It's funny, Mike, I remember me and Mike used to work out together. And it was interesting because every morning I would try to get there a little early, right? And I would run on a treadmill before he gets there. He's like, man, I ain't doing that treadmill like that, right? He's like, man, I, I do my cardio in other ways because he's on his feet all day, right, at his job, Tommy, right? <laughs> and... <laughs> So, so, so interesting thing is, right, we become, not like, not like Mike, but kind of, to where we want to run and burn, burn off cardio other ways, but we don't want to get on the treadmill. We don't, like, but interesting thing about the treadmill is that we running in place, thinking we getting somewhere only to get off and we ain't got nowhere, Right? Interesting is that, y'all, what we do, right, uh, is that we want to move forward, but in moving forward, we don't want to go through nothing. We don't want to go, God, God, I want, uh, God, I want what's best for me. God, I want to experience your loving and your care. God, uh, Lord, whatever you're doing in this season, we don't all saying it, don't do it without me. He said, okay, I don't want to do it without you, so let me put you in this oil press real quick. Because if you're going to represent me, right, I need you to represent me in a way where, where like, like you, you, I need you to, these blemishes that's in your character, I need it to be removed, right? How you cussing out your boss, I want you to represent me. So I got to baptize your tongue, right? I need you to fall in love with your neighbor. So to get you to look more like me, I need to take you through some stuff. Do you know, yeah, you want God to work in your life. Ain't no way you want God to work in your life and you don't want to experience pain. There's no way. Right? God is using exactly where you are right now to prepare you for what's to come. As creation, as creation, we are screaming to be rescued from pain. But Paul here proclaims to us in this text how the rescuing happens. He says in verse 20 and 21, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from bondage to decay and to the glorious freedom of God's children. While we, by God, have been subjected to futility, emptiness. Do you know that the same word for emptiness here 
or futility, emptiness is the same word that, that was used in Ecclesiastes. Vanity. It's all empty. Right? Let me just say, what we experience in here is all emptiness. Y'all know the song, Michael Stanley, uh, Lanisha, I live my life in stereo. Right? Y'all remember the song, holiness, holiness is what I long for? What if we rewrote the song, emptiness, emptiness is what I live for? He's saying here, right, while we have by God been subjected to futility, emptiness, meaning that we have a hope that we'll be set free from bondage to decay and to this glorious freedom, meaning that slavery, bondage, and even suffering of this present age, because we belong to Jesus and the Spirit of God is at work in our lives, is going to be replaced with freedom and renewal as we, as we share in the glorification as children of God. While our sin does bring death and destruction in Christ by the work of the Spirit, we eagerly, with anticipation, wait for the day in which we will dwell in this new heaven, dwell in the new earth, made possible, not only through the death and the burial, but through the rest resurrection of Christ Jesus. Catch this. Hear this. Because of Jesus' finished work on the cross, our suffering today doesn't compare to the splendor of tomorrow. What am I saying? Hear this. Don't let it steal your joy. That's all we're saying. Don't let it steal your joy. And as we think through our suffering in conjunction with this text, Paul shows us three reasons why our suffering shouldn't break us. reasons right here in this text, right, where our suffering shouldn't break us but point us to tomorrow's splendor. First, Paul shows us, y'all, that our suffering shouldn't break us but point us to surrender, number one, because everybody experiences pain. Everyone. Everyone experiences pain. Watch what he says. Verse 22 and 23. For we know the whole creation has been groaning together groaning together now when he did this word groaning we've been sighing we've been complaining in other words what he says that uh, the whole creation has been saying ouch together you, you ever stumped your toe on the corner of your coffee table parents with kids here it is you ever stepped on the lego barefooted right <laughs> what, what he's saying or or let me just talk to women real quick, right? Women who've had kids, he says, labor pains. Now, men, I know you thought you was hard, but labor pain, you don't know what that ouch feel like. We don't know what that ouch feel like, brothers. But he says, I mean, we can take it because we out hurt. No. He says, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. What if the pain that, that's causing groaning in you is because God wants to produce something in you? The pain that we're going through says that God wants, to, want, wants you to push out this baby called purpose. God wants you to, to deliver this baby called peace, this baby called joy. You, you, you know, whenever you desire to look like Jesus, walk like Jesus, embody 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be an imitator of God, it's going to cost you some pain. He says, for we know that the whole creation has been growing together with labor pains until now. Not only that, 
but we ourselves who have the spirit as the first fruits, we also groan, cry in agony with ourselves eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Hear this, y'all. Everybody experienced pain. But know this, in your pain, if this is for you, I need you to hear this. In your pain, you are not alone. You are not by yourself in this. Yes, Holy Spirit is with you through your suffering. But there are people around you that have, that have either experienced what you're experiencing, will experience what you're experiencing. But either way, we aren't exempt from the pain of this life. The proof. That believer, the, the proof of really believers' ultimate glory is simply that of suffering. Whether it comes as mockery, ridicule, or even physical persecution, because of our Lord, we're going to experience suffering. Either you have, you are, or you will. I love, right, what, how Acts 14, Acts 14, verse 19, it says, But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. And having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. In other words, what, what is he saying? Ain't no way you're going to enter the kingdom of God if you don't experience tribulation. Everybody, believe, are going to experience suffering. For whatever the reason, y'all, sometimes we tend to think that we're too gifted or too valuable to experience pain. I, I'm worth too much. I, this pain, it ain't nothing but the enemy. It ain't nothing but the devil. You, you too gifted, too valuable to experience pain. But get this, biblically. Joseph was a gifted dreamer, but he still experienced pain. Moses was a reluctant leader, but he still experienced pain. Ruth was a loyal woman, but guess what? She still experienced pain. Jeremiah was a prophet. He still experienced pain. Job was a good man, but he still experienced pain. And Jesus was a savior. And he pain. Listen, we are not exempt from pain. We have not reached the new heaven and the new earth, the new Jerusalem of no tears and pain and no mourning or death has yet arrived. Why is that important, right? Well, pastor, didn't you say that already? Yep, I repeated it because I need you to grab it. Come here, Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven. The sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He, in his new heaven, in his new earth, he will wipe away 
every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief will be no more. Crying will be no more. Pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Why has it passed away? Right, because God gave his only son that our pain will be a justification for the sacrifice that he made on the cross. Yeah, I know it hurts. I know it makes you cry. I know it's painful, but here it is. You ain't by yourself. We all going to experience pain. Everybody experiences pain, right? Okay, but hi, Pastor. I hear you. I get it, Pastor. Don't, don't, ain't your preaching time almost up? Who watching? I feel like preaching. Here's the thing. How long would this pain last? How long would this suffering last? Pastor, if I'm honest, I'm ready for this pain to be over. Get this beard. I ain't cutting my beard. I'll get a new mic first. You know what I'm saying? I'm hoping. For dear life, Mike, I'm holding on to it. Here it is. Just because, y'all, we experience suffering as we wait the redemption of our bodies, it doesn't mean that our suffering is random or without purpose. And even as we think through that, right, hear this, it's not happening by coincidence. Everybody experiences pain, but, but if you're anything like me, you're like, all right, God, I know we all experience the pain, but for how long? Like, I, I need this to be over. How long is this pain? I love it because right as he helps us to see that everybody experiences pain, he also tells us, Lanisha, for how long? Watch what he says. Eagerly, waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope because who hopes for what he sees? Here it is. Here's the time. Now, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. I know you was waiting for something more clear. He's just saying, be patient. Be, be patient. Until the return of Jesus for the church, there's going to be pain, right? That's why we should scream, Lord, Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. Lord, come soon. Because this pain of this world will not be eradicated until you return for your church. Wait with patience. We must pain with patience. We hope for what we do not see. Y'all, do you know it's easy to place hope in what you see? It's easy to place hope in what you see because it's already there. But can you place your hope in what you believe while you can't see it with your eyes? Hear this. Until the return of Jesus for the church, there'll be pain. Let me give you Bible, Matthew 24. This is what Jesus says. For at that moment, where at that time, there will be great distress. The kind that hasn't taken place from the beginning of the world until now and never will again. Unless those days were cut short, no one would be saved. But those days will be cut short because of the elect. If anyone tells you then, see, here's the Messiah, or over here, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders to lead astray. If people, even the elect, he says, take notes. I've told you in advance. So if they tell you, see, it's in the wilderness. Don't go out or see it in the storerooms. Do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east 
and flashes as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the carcass is, there will be the, the, the vultures will gather. If I'm going to experience pain, y'all know, you may be here, you're like, well, if I'm, if I'm going to experience pain, then, then why would I be with Jesus in the first place? I'll tell you why. Because it's better to suffer with him than without him. Right? I love uh, one of my light verses, and I've already said it, but I'm going to say it again because it's my light verse and I got the mic. Here it is. Beloved, think it not strange concerning a fiery trial, which has come to test you as though some strange thing were happening to you. The, the, all of us going to experience pain, and although, right, we all experience pain, the suffering that we experience, it isn't by happenstance, right? You, you, will much, you should much rather suffer with Christ than without him, right? It's better to suffer with Christ than without him. What am I saying? Our suffering today doesn't compare to the splendor of tomorrow. Don't let your suffering steal your joy. Let me tell you this. Suffering can't take from you what it didn't give you. My suffering can't take from me what it didn't give me. Therefore, it can't steal my joy. Everyone experiences pain, number one. Number two, hear this. Our suffering shouldn't break us, but point us to tomorrow's splendor. Hear this. Because if everyone experiences pain, then number two, everybody has help. Everyone has help. Now, I know that everyone needs help. But since I'm talking to the believer today in this text, I need you to know that everyone has help. Right? Here's what he says in the text. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings, right? And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. In other words, everyone has help. Not only does being in community allow us to walk through our pain with people, the Holy Spirit is with us even in our suffering. The text tells us, y'all, that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Hear this, suffering. Our suffering is an indicator of where we live, but not an indicator of the fail love, of fail love for our Savior, of our Savior. Right? Hear this. Suffering is an indicator of where we live, but not an indicator of failed love of our Savior. You have not been singled out, and God has not turned his back on you because you're suffering. If we're honest, our suffering, yeah, it breaks us down. Our suffering causes us to think, not think straight. Sometimes we can even find the words to say. If it, sometimes, right, suffering hurts so bad, you all cried out. You lose your appetite. Your tears have become your food. But the joy is that the Spirit of God is at work in us, not only keeping us together, but the Spirit of God, even when you can't quite find the words to talk to God about, the Spirit of God is interceding on your behalf. The Spirit of God is taking your very prayer, your very pain to the Father. The very moment you're groaning, you're sighing in agony, the Spirit is representing you and your needs to our Heavenly Father. God, listen, God knows what you're going through, and it's not unkind so as to reject 
right, this messy, chaotic, emotional prayers offered in your moment of need. He carries them to the throne of God where your prayers will not only be heard, but here's your shout, your prayers will be answered. Your prayers will be answered. No one, uh, when no one hears and understands your cries in those moments, when it feels useless to cry, not only is God listening, but he hears and he answers. He will, let me tell you, the joy about the Holy Spirit being our help is that he will always greet your groanings without judgment. You don't have to rehearse your prayers. You don't have to wait until you're more composed and able to think clearly. You don't have to worry about, well, what if I say the wrong thing? Your Lord, your Savior, through the Spirit of God, is listening with a tender and sympathetic heart, and he makes sense of groans that no one could ever make sense of. He answers not because of what's in you. He don't answer because of what's in you. He answers you. He hears you because the grace that's in him. That's why. Everybody has help. Not only because we're able to bear one another's burdens, the scripture says, not only because we weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. Everybody has help because God has never left us. How do we know he's never left us? Because he left us a comforter. He left us a paracletos. Right? He, his, he left us his spirit. He left his spirit with us, even in our groaning. I love, right, what Jesus says in John 14, helping us to know that we're not alone. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, what I've told you, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I'm going, you may also be. You know the way where I'm going. He said, don't, don't even trip, right? Yeah, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. I'm getting you ready for the splendor tomorrow, so don't trip off of the pain today. And if you go further, right, in John 14, he talks about I'm leaving you a comforter, the Holy Spirit. And then the question goes, okay, well, if I'm not by myself, if I have help, he's saying I got the Spirit, what do I got to do to rest in the Spirit? He tells us in John 15, he says, abide in me, and I'll abide in you. In other words, this word abide is just a fancy word that means stay connected, right? If you've ever been to Atlanta, right, you get off the plane, and in order to get to baggage plane, you get on this tram, right? And on this tram, this joker is fast, it's moving quickly, right? And, and the thing is, this mug comes to some abrupt stops, right? So if you're if you on there, you got to hold on tight, right? Because when it comes to, come to a stop, Mishan, if it comes to a stop, you and all your stuff going to fly. And, and, and Atlanta is so big that you're going to bump into some people in the process, right? That's what God is talking about in John 15, right? What he's getting at, he says, I know life has you feeling like you're on this tram in Atlanta. So when you own so that you won't break your neck and bump into other people, I need you to abide. I need you to stay connected. I need you to hold on tightly, right? Because I don't want you thrown off this train called life. I don't want you to lose your peace. Yeah, you got help, but abide in me. Hold on tight is what God is saying. You have help. I know your suffering hurts today, but it still don't compare to the splendor of tomorrow. Our suffering today doesn't compare to the splendor of tomorrow. Don't let it steal your joy. Everybody experiences pain. Everybody has help. Here's the final point. Then I, I know we got to go. Here it is. 
Final point. Everybody experiences pain. Everyone has help. But number three, here it is. Everything works together. Everything works together. I know you thought that this pain that you was experiencing, I know you're tired. I know you're ready to throw in the towel. You're ready to give up. But here it is. Everything works together. Here's what he says in the text. Y'all, can I just be on my King James today? Because it just hit different. He says, and we know all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. Now, here's the thing, right? I know we got these new fancy translations, but it all means the same if you study the context, right? We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose, right? The suffering in this life is not purposeless. It all works together, not only for God's glory, but for your good. Every piece of pain that you experience, every groaning, every sigh, everything that you think you lost in the valley experience, God is going to restore at redemption. He's saying, listen, I know, right, you think you lost your mind. I know, right, all this other stuff that has you thrown off, I know it has you sick, but here there's all things. Work together for the good of those that love God who are the called according to his purpose. Hear this. Now, the thing about this verse is that this verse is one of the most misunderstood, misapplied verses in all the scripture. Because it's misunderstood, at times it causes people to think in unrealistic expectations. Dudes who three foot one, talking about some, I can dunk because I know that all things work together. Boy, stop. It's an unrealistic expectation. That's almost like David thinking he can beat me in basketball. That's just unrealistic. Right? Yeah, I called him out. Y'all, the thing in this, as we think through this verse, right? The most effective and godliest way to view this verse is in light of the verses happening around it. God is not promising here that all suffering will have an end in this lifetime or that uh, it'll end with a good result. No. This isn't some the struggle is over for you verse, but really points out that the re- a, a, a reality that the pain that we experience here in this life may never come to an end. Here it is. The pain that we experience in this life may never come to an end, but there will still be a good end for the story. The ending may not go the way you want it to, but the ending will still be good for those who are, he he used this word called here. This word called, right, it'll still be good for those who he invited. Okay. The invitation makes us think that we have a choice. So there's another word, those he summoned. <laughs> he, he, he was almost like uh, 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 Scorpion in Mortal Kombat. See, y- y- y'all have played Mortal Kombat uh, and Scorpion. Y'all all know Scorpion, right? The greatest Mortal Kombat character of all time, right? Prove me wrong later, right? But, but, but Scorpion had a special move. I ain't talking about this news. I'm talking about Super Nintendo, right? You go down, right, right, and he would throw out this harpoon, and he says, get over here, right? 
So, so that's kind of what God does for us, right? God, right, when you go down, up, up, right, what he does, right, is he throws out this harpoon called grace, and he says, Cassandra, get over here. I know it's hard, but I've called you for this purpose. I know it's tough. Justin, get over here. I know you're ready to quit. Tracy, Get over here because I know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. I know it hurt. I know it's painful, right? Your groanings are saying that. But hear this. Everything works together. Hear this. He's not talking here about your physical body. He's not even talking here about your situation. He's not talking here about your relationships because as soon as you hear, oh, all things work together, that means it's coming to an end. No. He says, no, I don't want it to come to an end. I need it to perfect you. I'm taking you through this so you can learn to trust me. And if I end it, you're going to think you did something well. He's saying here, right? If you run, you won't learn the lesson here. He's clearly talking about God's relationship to you and the good that he will provide for you. What is this good that he's talking about? What good is he bringing? What is the good? It's peace. It's joy. You, I, I, like, I know, right, this modern-day suffering got us thinking that you can't experience peace and suffering. When I think about peace and suffering, I think about Bishop Earl Moore. Right, y'all have heard me talk about him before, right, where his mom died. Him and his mom was like white on rice out here, down like four flats, what I hear, right? He learned to cook from her. We got to find out when he cooking. But I went and heard him preach the day after his mom died. He preached the gospel with tears in his eyes, with joy in his feet, and still gave God everything that was in him. Although he was experiencing pain, suffering that he knew one day would come, but he never wanted to do it. In your suffering, can you smile through it? In your tears, can you still celebrate God through it? What is the good? It's peace. It's joy. It's purging. It's cleansing. It's redemption. It's the final completion of everything that God has promised to do in and through you. How? By his grace. The great, listen. The grace of God upon our life is only perfected in the context of suffering. Okay, I will. The grace of God upon our life is perfected in the context of suffering. 1 Peter 5.10, here it is. The God of all grace who called you, invited you, summoned you, in other words, get over here, you, to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you. Here it is. After you suffer for a little while. You want to be restored? You want to be established? You want to be strengthened? You want to be supported? You will after you suffer for a little while. You won't even know what peace was if you won't suffer. 
You don't know what joy is if you ain't went through nothing. Right? You don't know what freedom is if you ain't been in bondage. Right? You don't know what it means to have some if you ain't been broke. Right? So God is taking you through suffering to get his best out of you. How, listen, he says, and we know all things work together for the good of those that love God who are the called according to his purpose. But what I love here is that he didn't just tell us, Brooke, that all things are going to work together, but he told us how. One of the, again, a misinterpreted verse here, right, these last two verses. He tells us how we know it. Here's what he says. For those he foreknew. How do he know it's working together? Because he already knew it beforehand. Those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What am I saying? In your suffering, God already knew beforehand. He foreknew. Not only who you were, how, how do we know he know who you were? He made you. Like, it's, it's interesting because we look at passages like Colossians 1, right, talking about Jesus. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, and how he holds all things together. We, we see God, we see Christ as one who holds all things together, but we forget that he was the one that made it. That's how he's able to keep it together. Think about it this way. Think about in a thousand, a million-piece puzzle. It'll take us forever to put it together. Why? Because we didn't create it but a puzzle that takes us a lifetime to put together. God created this 1,000-piece puzzle called Mike Bird. And here I am trying to put it together, trying to make things fit that just don't fit. Y'all know, right, that, that one piece that looked like it fit, you're just going to beat it in place. That's what we do. But God said, no, I don't want you to beat it in place. Let me put the puzzle back together. Let me put it back together. Let me be the one that molds you and shape you and conform you into how I want you to be. Right, God foreknew, he knew beforehand, not only who, who we were because he made us, but he predestined. This word predestined, he foreordained. In other words, it is God who created a path for you to be conformed to the image of his son. Right, we always look at that text as one that really focuses in on salvation, but that text, that passage right there in context is one that's talking about how Holy Spirit is active in the life of the blood ball even in our groaning, even in our suffering. Yeah, God is with you. It's going to work together, not only because he created it, because he know what the end going to be. And if you focus, keep your eyes fixed on him and not be so distracted by how you feel and what you think, you know how the end turns out as well. You know that God is holy. He's righteous and he won't ignore sin. You know that man sinned against God, therefore our relationship with God is broken. You know that anything that's broken needs to be we tried to do it on our own, but we couldn't. So God, who is, who is perfect, allowed his son to give his life for us. Jesus Christ, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was on him. And by his stripes, we're made well. What do I do with this information? I turn from my sin. I turn from my pain. I turn from my suffering and place my faith in Jesus. Because I know that if my faith is in Jesus, if my eyes is fixed on Jesus, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ, the solid rock I stand.
sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Yep, I know it's painful. I know it hurts, but I place my faith in Jesus. He's the right one. Jesus, my Tylenol. Jesus, my Aleve. Jesus, everything that I need and more. Yeah, I know it hurts, but don't let it steal your joy. Don't let suffering take away from you who you know God is. Understand that our suffering today does not compare to the splendor that we will experience on tomorrow. Well, what is this splendor that I get to experience tomorrow? The fact that Christ is coming back for his church. The church without a spot nor wrinkle. Can I tell you this right? I got to get myself together because I got some place to go. Yeah, I'm praying when I get there, I'll see everyone I know. Where is this splendor? The, the, the splendor of tomorrow is this place called heaven where I get to spend eternity, where I get to rest at the feet of a savior, knowing that he came back for me. I wonder, is there six people who just made up in their mind and say, yeah, it hurts, but I'm gonna suffer for the glory of God. Yeah, I know it hurts, right? But the suffering of today, does not compare to the splendor of tomorrow. Listen, listen, I know, listen, listen, I know it hurts because it hurt me. <laughs> I know it works because it distracted, I know it hurts because it distracted me. But when I think of the blood of Jesus, and the fact that it wasn't just something right that I just sing about. I realize, and I know Jesus worked because he healed me. I know Jesus worked because he saved me. I know Jesus worked because he delivered me. I know Jesus is at work because all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. We're going to experience pain. We're going to experience suffering. We're going to experience groaning. But I'm so glad that because I'm in the hands of Jesus, I'm going to experience peace too. I'm so glad that because I'm in the hands of Jesus, I'm going to experience joy too. I'm so glad that because I'm in the hands of Jesus, I'm going to experience redemption too. Remember, it ain't because you're suffering. It's your response to it. Don't let it steal your joy. Listen. It hurts. Maybe you're not groaning with your mouth because you're just tired of opening your mouth. Here's why I don't want to challenge you. If you don't even know the words to say, just lift your Thank hands. Thank you for listening to the Faith Community Bible Church Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by the message on today. To respond to today's message, please go to fcbcstl.com forward slash respond. If you would like to give to support the mission and vision of Faith Community Bible Church, you can go to fcbcstl.com forward slash give. God bless.